to enjoy life. You have one chance and you have one heart. And if you carry all that hatred in your heart, you're preventing yourself that happiness that life is all about. You should just enjoy life, enjoy what life has to offer. And for me personally, there is nothing better in life than the laughter of a child, than to be able to pay it forward and help somebody in need, to watch them find that inner spirit and inner life again. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Unstoppable. We have Megan again. Hello. I'm so happy that she's here because, as we all know, it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month and you have two unbelievable thrivers, survivors here to talk about this. I think we should put kind of a disclaimer on it, even though this is unstoppable, so it's a little more raw than a contagious smile, but I always want to put a disclaimer that there might be some triggering things in this episode, just so everybody knows ahead of time and can be forewarned. So... This is hard and it's going to be a hard listen, but hopefully it's going to be one that helps bring healing to people as well. Yes, that's the hope. That's the hope. We'll see how it goes. You know, we were talking about it. Not everyone has to tell their story. Um, We spend so much time proving our, our truth, which I think is ridiculous while the abuser does nothing like he he basically almost gets away with it and he doesn't have to prove his innocence it's supposed to be you know innocent until proven guilty but like we're found guilty until we prove our innocence you know and that's not okay that's absolutely not okay and you and I both shared on numerous other platforms that we've shared bits and pieces of our story but never the whole story and Mm -hmm. and that's because it's too hard even now I mean I'm well over a decade and a half out and you're a few years out but it doesn't mean it's ever going to go away it just it's how do you explain that um to people who are not survivors I often attend it you know I I ask them have you ever have you ever had anybody you love die because grief is an understandable human emotion um and part of us does die in this it does. And I think, you know, a lot of us, I mean, I, I did a, a solo cast of last month about this, but grief is, it's one of those things that the, anybody who experiences it, whether through death or, you know, like you said, part of us does die. I mean, I was really, really young. I was 20 when I met my abuser, you know, arguably I was born into abuse. Um, and there's just a, piece of me that looks you know at this this young woman that I was and I and there's just there's parts I can't ever I can't ever get back because they never they never were allowed to grow um and I can't unknow or unexperience the things I've been through right as can nobody in life and so I think that's when I'm talking to people who haven't experienced it I say it is a lot like grief in that you learn to get through day to day, you function amazing, you do amazing things in life. And then there's times when that yoke of burden and that, that heaviness comes around and you just, I work through it. I mean, you, you shared in the last episode of unstoppable something with you, you know, with your spouse that you'd never shared before. He had no idea. He didn't even have a clue. 
And I do it all the time. I mean, I'm young into a relationship with my fiance, but we do it all the time where I'll say something and he, oh, the look on his face when I realize that what I've said is painful because to me, and it's hard to explain. I feel it so deeply that I almost don't feel it at all. Like it's so, you're numb. I've numbed my, and he's like, you know, he's like, the stories you tell are so sad. And I'm like, and sometimes he has to explain to me why it's sad. Yeah. Right. Because to you, it's your reality. So to me, it's, it's just, it's just what I lived. It's just a truth. It's just a, you know, no, that was just how life was for me. Cause I don't, I don't know how long were you, how long were you in a relationship with your monster? I, I'm not remembering. A year. Yeah. Talking so, about like from time it started, I left before our anniversary um, but the abuse started after I got pregnant, which is right after we got married, but I didn't live with it until we were married. There we go. And so, but that's, so that, and I think this is where people get confused is that people assume that I was in a relationship for 18 years with mine and people assume that the experience you had, which to me is like 10,000 times more horrific than what I went through because it was so short and it was so violent and it was so truncated but then you conversed through like 18 years. Like I remember I said 18 and your face was like, did you say 18 years that you stayed? And I, let's be honest, the abuse started. When we were kids. Right. 20. I was 20 years old and it was less than 90 days. He had love bombed me, moved me away from my support network, promised me the world, and then started beating me inside of 90 days. And I stayed for 18 years. Right. Because that was your norm. And people don't understand that. I wish we could do a class for everybody who's never been in that situation so that they can understand. Like, you know, people, most people know I just lost my arm and hand. And before that, um, I had no idea what an amputee went through, like not a clue. And then they're like, well, you can actually mourn that limb, like losing someone. And I'm like, what? And, you know, now I totally get it. And I oh. understand it. That's not something I could have put myself in three months ago. I could never have imagined what somebody who's amputated goes through. Same thing. I mean, you have no idea. And then these people that are like, well, you deserve it. You stayed. You chose to stay. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And you're like, who are you, Mary Poppins? Don't judge me. You have no freaking clue. You don't need to be looking at me like that. You're not perfect. You know, Judge me when you are. Come talk to me when you're, you know, perfect. I mean, statistically... A third of the entire population of the world of women go through some type of from an abuse right. from an, yeah yeah let's let's be yeah we're we're not talking yeah you know a parent a spouse or a direct family member right and that's just women over the age of eighteen we're not talking about children that's a whole other episode that's, that's a so whole scary. other statistic so heartbreaking and and I have I mean with now that I'm diving into this topic specifically on my own podcast, that which is slow rising, slow rising. Here we go. Plug. I have to go ahead and plug it because she yep. sponsored <laughs> our other show. She sponsored this show today, so we yes. got to give her her props for that. And needs to listen yes. to it. So yeah. this, the the new podcast is Flow Rising. It is we go um, every Friday episodes. So the first episode's coming out this Friday, but every Friday I release episodes. 
um, where I am talking with a witness or survivor and witnesses as they witnessed it as a child. Um, luckily it was maybe not something direct to them other than they lived in it. And then survivors, you know, women like me who went through, and again, I hear these stories and I'm just like, none of us got out of our childhood without abuse. The ones of us that have gone through either a diagnosed narcissist or undiagnosed narcissistic upbringing go and have higher numbers of becoming victims slash survivor survivors of domestic yep. violence, because, because that's what we grow to know. Well, and I think about any, any child, I mean, you know, we've raised children who sadly, my son ex- w- was a witness, you know, until he was 10 when I finally left my ex, you know, your daughter, you know, was luckily never you know, aware of what was going on. She didn't live in that situation, but she has her own physical, mental, emotional consequences of that situation. Um, you know, and, and parents who raise their children in loving, nurturing homes sometimes still end up with drug addicts. Yeah. But the likelihood that, you know, and so there, there's no guarantee. However, those of us, like you said, who had narcissistic parents. Um, I'd it, rather say narcissistic adults, adults in house it, because they're not parents. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> they wouldn't parent in the sense that we would parent. Um, I heard something interesting and I don't know why I feel like bringing it up, but here we're going to bring it up. So we talk about how narcissism is a diagnosed mental illness. Like it is a diagnosable in- mental illness. Only like, I think statistically it's like one in a hundred or one in 150. Actually nobody get will get tested. They don't well, want to go get tested. They don't. Exactly. It's not part of their nature. I actually am following someone on TikTok who has been diagnosed and is actively working through it. It is fascinating to watch his stuff because at first the empath in me was like, you're lying. This well, I want to know who that is. You have to tell me. I got, I'm going to have to figure out what it is, but it's very interesting opposite because he says the things that I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what narcs do. Oh my God. But he's openly admitting that he does it and how it, it made him lonely. Like it felt like me from the opposite direction. So then this thing pops up because they follow narcissistic stuff. And it's this woman giving an opinion that empaths should also be considered a mental illness that's just mm-hmm. the exact polar opposite of a nar- narcissist. And that's why they attract each other was because they feed the thing that the other person needs. Right. And I can almost, I mean, being an empathic person, I'm like, I don't want to say I have a mental illness, but let's re- face it. We're all running around with some kind of undiagnosed something or other. <laughs> Is there anything as neuronormal? I think we're all neurodivergent, right? But I think that being someone who identifies as an empath, it's like, I, I can kind of see that except for the fact that I have, I have awareness again, do the opposite. I have awareness where narcissists cannot. Right. I experience deep emotion and express deep emotion where a narcissist cannot. So it's this, this polar opposites. Right. Um, but then there's it's also like the, the narcissist that's one way behind closed doors and they're the complete opposite. Like they'll do nothing to help their family in that aspect. But when they're outside, they want to be like the biggest, you know, unbelievable caregiving person, but they're not, they can't prove that they do it. They just say that they do it because they want the impression that everybody has of them to be a certain way. But narcissists more than any human being want other people to validate them and make them themselves look good. Right. You know, one of, one of the narcissists I, I, I will only half mention because it's family that's 
not my family, but you know who I'm speaking I about. Know, I say this. I'm like, she gets to know inside information, but this particular, Yay! Narcissist, I got the inside this particular narcissist is one of those human beings that definitely plays to the, you know, keeping the story, you know, since we're really talking about storytelling today, narcissists are really, really good at, at, at controlling the story. Mm-hmm to the public. And what happens is the human who's receiving the abuse, then let's talk about opposites, the empath. They conversely are the secret keeper of the story. It is why we go quiet and don't tell our stories. Right. Because we honestly do not, because it is the exact opposite of what our narcissist abuser. And we're talking about narcissists, but physical abusers almost exclusively are narcissists. And if you don't know that your physical abusers are narcissists, start looking up narcissism now because they right. are. They right. almost, almost exclusively are. Like, here's not- your perfect example. Everybody knows that my daughter had an ungodly amount of medical yeah. things going on when she was a child. And my egg and sperm donor didn't meet her until she was three months old. And when they, you know, after fast forward a few years, my sperm donor would tell everybody that, you know, he was taking her to all the doctor's appointments and things like that. Well, I got fed up with it one time and my daughter was like, no, he doesn't take me. And then I would say, hey, can you tell me the name of her gastroenterologist? Can you tell me the name of her Mm autolaryngologist? Can you tell me the name of it? I don't remember their names. What do they look like? Is it a guy or a girl? You know, and and you're like, and he carried, I call it a MERS, man purse. And inside of it, the only pictures he has of his only grandchild he claimed at that point were the horrific ones of her in the hospital bed, hooked up to all the IVs, hooked up to everything. And that's what he showed everybody because yeah. he got the sympathy for it. Yep. But you better believe like he never stayed overnight in there. If he, you know, it, it, and then one time he did call, he called to ask how you get into day surgery. And I'm like, but yet you tell everybody you're for every one of them. Like it's, it's, the perception outside is not the reality yep. inside. No, nope. it's basically the easiest way to to summarize. And it's, exactly, and I think it's it's why, as someone who gets on the backside of you know, you finally separate yourself from the abuse from the abuser. I mean, you've had to cut off family. I'm in actively deciding: am I cutting off family? We've walked away from people who physically abused us, who were narcissists. I mean, let's right. face it; they don't. No normal human being takes it to such violent. <laughs> physical realms of expressing emotion mm-hmm. that's what they were doing was expressing an extreme emotion against another um but it it keeps us i mean the silence keeps us safe for so long for so like i can't who i mean i may get emotional you may actually get to see me get, get emotional um, i've seen it off camera and off recording it, it, there's something that feels, you know, and then, and then you get away from it and all you want to do is tell everybody, but then you start telling everybody. I'm sure those listening out there have, some of you have tried this. You start telling everybody, but then everyone's like, everyone's not the right human. Right. <laughs> but you're just desperately trying to find a voice again and say things and, and you'll and say, feel like you matter. You do. And, and I can remember, I would start out saying, um, yep. So I'm recently divorced. Oh, I- I'm so sorry. Oh, please don't be. He was violently abusive. And that was all I would say. And then I would let leave it to fill in the blanks. Um, because that's all I could say. And yep. even now, I mean, I'm only a couple years out. There's still, yeah, there's still things that, 
you know, it hit, it hits hard. And I, and I have memories and there's things my son's going through that I'm like, I know why you do this. Right. I know why this shows up for you. I remember when your father was doing these things and, um, you know, I will, I will say that the one motherly thing I ever did was my ex never hit my son. There was one time he almost did. And I did the one thing I knew that would turn it on me. Okay. Here's a story I've never told in public. My trigger son, warning, trigger warning. total trigger warning here, folks. Cause this is, this is, a, this is a story I've never told in public. Um, my son was six and a five and still struggling with toilet training. Total normal for boys. Absolutely. Totally that. Normal. Yeah. Totally normal. Especially in the situation. Yeah, because it's a control thing for him. Um, but it was, again, sometimes boys, you know, I've I had kindergarten teachers that were like, it's no big deal. Like we, it happens. We all the time. Yeah. but what was happening was he was so terrified that he was hiding the soiled underwear in his room. And I found yeah. them. Yeah. I didn't know his father was home. So I found them and I was having a conversation with my five-year-old son about what was going on and that he didn't need to hide that from me and in walks the ex and just lost his ever loving mind and started. And I could see it. I, it, I felt like the world went into slow-mo my child. And actually what I saw was the first beating I ever endured. Cause I was in a hotel room. My child climbed over the bed and was screaming bloody murder. Um, and I was standing against the wall and I would, I would not have said at that moment, I would, I felt like a brave human being, but looking back, it was a very brave thing to do. Cause at this point in the relationship, I mean, I, we were 12 years into the relationship at this point. Mm-hmm. So it had, I, I knew what was going to happen. I looked at him and I screamed at him and I said, stop it. You're turning into your mother. Cause she was his physical abuser. And it was the one thing I'd never up to that point ever said those words because I knew what was going to happen. You were saving your son and putting yourself in front. And I am forever fucking grateful. Pardon the language. I don't have to hear, but I am forever grateful. He drug me into the other room and locked my son in his bedroom so that he didn't actually have to physically see it. Cause it was the worst beating I ever took in my life from him the worst, the longest, the worst, you know, and he was such a pro at that point, knowing how to hit me and hide it mm-hmm. to where it was under all of the, you know, I was, I was a good working woman. There was no way I was, you know, I, we could have a whole episode as to why I never got the cops involved, but, um, but that incident, and I don't, my son and I, to this day, have never really had a conversation because he's just not ready. He's just not there where we can have a, cause I know. he was old enough and I know that he knows when we start talking about the incident. Um, and it's funny how I said all of that and it's funny. I'm like, I didn't cry and it didn't get emotional, but I, I, you know, and Victoria gets this, but I don't, I, we don't cry because crying is never a safe thing, but I, I don't want anyone who's listening to this to think that this is not a deeply, uh, deeply emotional thing for me. And, and that it, it's, uh, Trust me, as soon as we're done with this, I'm going to spend the day doing all kinds of self-care and stuff because I'm <laughs> hotly triggered right now myself for sharing oh. that. But it, it's really one of those things that it's like, you know, and I could 
I could go through all the crap that I went through in the, I don't know, it's like four hours or longer that he beat me that time. Um, you know, and I know my son heard it. I know my son saw me like afterwards lived with me every day afterwards. Um, yeah, but that was, that was the first time that I actually started getting the inkling of, you know what, this, this can't go on this. I'm not going to be able to put myself between him and that, that, that little boy every time. Um, you know, the, there, something would happen where I wasn't home where I was just, right. And that was, that was probably two full, two and a half years before. Well, yeah, about two and a half years before I actually finally successfully got away. But that story, you, you say that to anyone that isn't a survivor or that anybody who, and they're like, why, you know, why were you still with him at that point? Like, if you knew that he had them, that in him, why did, why did you even let it get to that? And I, I don't think people ask that question out of ill intent. I really think it's a genuine human curiosity as to they can't understand. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop telling the story, you know, out of protection for myself and my son. I won't ever say his name on, <laughs> uh, you know, on air. But that's, uh, yeah, I also think that I'm fortunate that my monster once gone just wanted to stay gone because I think he was always scared that I think he still is that I actually will decide to go after him because all, all honesty folks if you do ever decide to go after him there's no statute of limitations it's harder especially in my and case the, and the way that the judicial system is right now is that they get away with it. They spent next to no time, if any, incarcerated. And then those of us that self-defend, they're the ones who end up getting incarcerated and serve time. And then these jack butts get end up with our kids. Yep. And that's, you know, why, you know, why didn't you fight back? Uh, because my son needed me out of jail. Because my son wouldn't be here if I was in jail. Oh, right? what if he, what if he had killed you? Well, yep, that was a real possibility in that moment. Plenty of moments where that was a real possibility. Um, sometimes I wonder why he didn't, but I think that he under I think he understood consequences just enough. He never, I mean, they don't want jail. Mine didn't think he could ever go to jail. He was so cocky, like yeah. to break my nose on an installation in front of his captain and they did nothing. Nothing. That's insane. And that's insane. Well, and that's, you know, in, in my case, the, the code of silence was ingrained in me from birth that we don't talk about what happens behind closed doors in yours it was the same the militaristic code of silence that we protect our own type of thing um that you you know what (laughs) what good does telling my story when no one's going to believe me anyway and no matter how much proof you have, worse. it doesn't matter. What did you do to make him so angry? Why didn't you just Why do what he wanted? Why didn't you, you just know? do what he wanted? Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you do everything to the T that he wants. I wish more people would comprehend this. If you do everything to the T that he wants, and on the way home someone cuts him off, or his side item, his girlfriend, whatever. Yes, yeah. I can't see you tonight, or they break up, or whatever the case may be. Because I got a lot of ridicule because I was 
over the moon that he had women on the side. One, because he was going to be in that that courting phase. He wouldn't hurt them. Yeah. But number two is he wasn't home beating and sexually assaulting me. Sure. And so, yeah, I was like, go ahead, have other women on the side. Yeah. Go for it. But that's the thing. And nobody understands that. And they're like, well, why don't you just do what you want? But anything could happen to him on the way home, at work, somebody cuss him out, whatever the case may be. And when he came home, we're still going to be the playground of his fighting because yep. that's all he knew at that point was us. We were the ground for his violent terms. Yep. And it doesn't matter if we did everything to the T he wanted and demanded anyway. We're no. still going to get it. Oh, no. I mean, dude, one of the things I'm, I'm getting ready to do later today on my social media channels talk about the the money abuse that a lot of women endure um and it's financial abuse yeah Yeah, you either have no money they control it all or you're like me you're in you have to make it all and they're Mm -hmm. not going to do anything to help with it or and any money they do have is theirs and any money i had was ours right or his or his (laughs) or his but you know you, you think about in that that type of situation where it's like okay how do you leave right you know, I, I'm there's you two. I tell people I'm like get, get as much money as you can and go. Like if if you're to the point where it's go time, it doesn't like right. I, I was able to walk away, you know, with my life and eighty thousand dollars in in debt. Well, not including the house that I had to end up selling, but like you know, no. N- no and in, no income no way to get a job no like you know and, and you you go through this assumption oh i'm just going to tell people i'm a single mom i'm going to tell people and start telling people my story and You'll you know get a job. bank on empathy <laughs> word from from someone who's been there and done that and i'm sure that it, you know even you had gone through that in your life where you're like i tell people i'm a single mom and you're like that's going to actually help me no hinders you it does. You're you're an abuse survivor. Oh, what? Uh, like half the world responds with the look of what's wrong with you. And the other half of the world responds with, oh my God, I want to save you. And I'm laughing. I'm sorry, to, but it, it's, it's the looks that we get from the, it is. the world that don't, you know, and, and, and here's what I have to say to that is, you know, if it's, if, if, if the world's population is split 50, 50 between men and women, and a third of the women in the world are being abused, that means a third of the men of the world. So that means only a third of the human beings in this world do not experience some type of violence or abuse. So yes. a third of the world is doing it. A third of the world is receiving it. Right. Two thirds of, of the world hasn't done any of it yet. Or been exposed to it or, and, and yet there's such, I have told people that when they start poo-pooing about the, the overt violence against women in other countries, is it wrong? Is it terrible? Is it horrible? Yes. My son's reading a book right now about child marriage in Africa. And I'm like, oh. baby, they still do it. He's like, no, no. I'm like, baby, this is still a real thing. Mm-hmm. Like girls are, you know, marrying 50 year old men and having to bear babies at nine years old. Like this is still a thing in the world. Is it terrible? Is it awful? Yes. And it is a still only a tiny, it is 1%. The people that that atrocities are happening to like that overtly in front of the media, right? Right. That's less than 1% of what's happening behind closed doors 
every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this, it's a cultural thing that this, this code of silence is, I had a upcoming guest in one of our pre-interviews asked me to, to be careful about where I post my social media stuff because they didn't want it getting in front of the wrong people because those kind of people comment negatively. And, and I'm like, Oh, okay. Bring it on. You want to come after me and mine and you think we don't fight. You're wrong now. Right. Just because this is the story I'm telling doesn't mean that's the human being you would actually get. Right. Um, you know, and I, I don't welcome negativity. I, I seek positivity and I seek sharing my story to others who like the listeners here who are like, I identify with that. And I, I would love to talk with you and share my story with you. Um, I think that there's a lot of strength and community in that way. Mm-hmm. And is there a potential that someone out there who's actively beating their wife is listening to this? Yes. Um, shame on you. Yeah. And you want to you feel if it was your daughter or your sister how would you feel you know sadly there's disgusting human beings and i meet their daughters as adults that's disgusting that just is disgusting i have a couple upcoming episodes that are again trigger warning folks for what i'm about to say but they're you know child sexual assault victims imagine finding out when you're pregnant that your monster trigger warning is participating in child pornography that it, it's not a, you know, and I say, at least I could believe that about mine, that that wasn't the case. And I do actually mean that and believe that about him. Like his level of disgustingness was totally different, but. That's what kills me that people are like, well, they're sick. They're sick. That doesn't make it okay. That doesn't make it right. No, the hurt people, hurt people crap. I'm like. I was hurt just as much as he was in childhood, arguably more so, maybe less so, but both of us, let's just put it, both of us were beaten. He was beaten overtly. I was spanked, which was called child rearing back then. Both are beating. (laughs) That's what I have. Oh, they're sick. They need help. They need, you know what? Take them all. Put them on an island. Make sure none of them can appropriate and, and breed. And just <laughs> let, them, let them let them have at each other. Like, can you imagine the island of narcissism? Be like, <laughs> I wish you laugh. It's terrible. Can you I imagine mean, what that again? Would be like? One to six percent of the population. So not every abuser is a narcissist. Some of them are just, let's say, worse. They're psychopaths, right? So let's just put them on the other side of the island. <laughs> and We've got the narc psychopath, right? Oh, it's guys. Just you know. Let them go there and see how it works out for them. Right. And I think the thing, the thing is, is that, you know, and, and it, it takes, it takes a hell of a lot of, I have no clue what's going to happen, but I'm still going to walk away from this, you know, and even, even after you walk away from the scary one, the one that's abusing you, and then you turn to the support system and realize the support system's just, oh, it's led by a narcissist and everyone just follows them and they're already their little, you know, whipping boys. Okay, so I don't have a support system and we're out here. You don't have a support system and you're listening to this and you hear this, you know, 
contact a contagious smile. We, you know, seek it out. There is support to be had amongst those of us who are in the third that understand what you are going through. Um, And you can get to Megan through us too. Yes. You can get to me that way as well. And then, or go to Flow Rising. She's amazing. You can find me there. And, and I think that that's the biggest thing is, is that I think, and my point as to why I wanted to have this topic conversation today is that your silence is not keeping you safe. It right, feels right. safe, but it's not keeping you safe. It didn't keep us safe. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to go the route of, I want to take them to court. That's a whole, I chose not to go that route. Right. And sometimes I regret it. Know that you're not okay. Cause yes. that's the first step in healing. That, that facing it, I, I, one of the other, I, I truly believe in the whole, that di- your diet is more than what you eat. It's also what you read, what you nowadays, what you consume on social media, like filling when, when you're working to heal yourself after abusive relationships or find ways out of it, what you start watching and what you pay attention to really matters. And I've started following a, a he's a neuroscientist who focuses on narcissism. Mm-hmm. But he does it in a way of he understands the disease and he's out there telling people, okay, if a, nar- if a narcissist is in your life, here's how you work through it. And it's, I, I may, I've, I've watched it a couple times that I keep forgetting, but it's, it's face it, feel it, forgive it. I have one that could go in there, but it might not. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and we could say fuck it, but free it is his last one. But it's, it's how you actually have to work through it. And you have to work through it one after another after, you know, you right. have to start by facing it. And sometimes it's just being able to go, yeah, okay, I'm in an abusive relationship. I know this isn't right. I don't know how to get out, but I'm going to take that. Okay. I acknowledge that that's where I'm at. Right. Um, and then, and, and just creating, you know, you've created exit plans for people. I've talked to people about creating exit plans. Um but you know and a lot of people will say i got out and then it got worse yes. sorry folks because then they stalk and then i got again i feel like so lucky that i never had any of that but a lot of women do that they don't go away a lot of women end up getting killed sorry should have said trigger warning before i said that but <laughs> i think this whole episode whole show is being trigger warning but there's not as many people that 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 actually is the minority thank fucking god that's the minority um you know but that the abuse does continue that especially if it's a narcissist the so many people feel bad for the abusers more than they feel for the people who've endured the abuse just because they they have those abusers i mean i can only imagine so my ex is actually with someone that i knew during the relationship huh yeah you can make all kinds of assumptions about how that relationship got started right (laughs) yeah um but it's somebody we knew. We weren't great friends with her, but we knew her. Um, and I can just only imagine the poo-poo story and how much I'm the bad guy. And I will like, psh, give me the bad guy under ruse and I'll, you know, I'll fly that flag all day long. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I'll be the bad guy in your story to mean I don't have to be in your story. Hell yeah. Right. I don't. I don't. And that's what they do is they go out and tell everybody. So, you know, that's the the first thing about an exit plan is you have to understand who is yours. And if they're any way connected to the abuser, they're not yours. You're going to get thrown through the mud. Like you are going to just. You're not. 
you will be, people will turn on you and you don't get it. And you're like, how can you not see it? They don't see it now. They believe them to be the human being, that face that they put on. Every abuser puts on a great face in public. Can you imagine going to court and he walks in with his girlfriend wearing a wedding ring and we're one week since I left for the TPO hearing. His captain comes in carrying a Bible study for him. Like he's the witness for him and his characteristics. And I'm just like, are you serious? Seriously? Did you know at that moment that it might be, that it might be possible that he would walk? That was a totally different court. This is for the TPO. Um, We had him, we had him dead to right on nine felonies. Yeah. And that was ridiculous. And it's just, I'm so like wanting to change our judicial system because of, of it and the technicality, you know, it's ridiculous. And she was like, I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of all this stuff she's putting us through and blah, 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 blah. And then guess what? You know, uh, it's amazing and scary and horrific. Cause I mean, they are the most charming alluring pieces of shit, you know, like, and I've admitted from day one that mine was not attractive physically like I was not physically attracted to him um but I was rebounding from the love of my life and you were charmable he knew how bad I wanted to be a wife and a mother and he knew that and he played that card and he played it well yeah I mean I I look at mine now and I'm like he wasn't attractive and I look at and I look at the 20 year old him and I I think (laughs) This is another thing about your healing process is you have to admit your toxic traits. Like you have to get to a point where you're like, Hey, right. human and have my own things. And a lot of it's toxic towards yourself in our cases, but yeah, my toxic trait is I see the best in everybody. Well, imagine this, like his mom, if you will, they're sitting with me and, and I'm pregnant and literally I'm like, he's told me all these things about him and I haven't opened up yet to anyone about it obviously you can see and they had come for a visit and she was like oh did he tell you he played football and I was like yeah she's like he's never been on a football field and I'm like what and then they're like yeah Uh uh-huh and I was like well he also said that you know he did hair modeling and whatever and and she was like he's still using those same stories and I'm like oh okay and then later on I find out that you know, he pushed her down a flight of stairs and he's done this and he's done that. I mean, it's just like, oh my God. I mean, one of the worst is I watched him disfigure his brother and his little brother and it was so scary. And then his captain told me he knew all about it. Nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing. Nope. And I think that's, that's why we stay silent is we just, I mean- you're already fighting. How much more fighting do we want to have? And the first time I tried to leave, he shot and killed my puppy. I mean, seriously. And then literally, like, how do you get away with all of this? You know, I, by the grace of God, haven't dealt with it outside, personally, outside the, the military. But you know what happens in everyday homes. You know what oh. happens in law enforcement and everything else. Yeah. But he was active military. And I mean, he got away saying that somebody tried to break in the house mm-hmm. and the dog was outside. Well, 
they asked where the other dog was. Oh, he must have never come out. He must have been inside. So you think that a dog is going to hear a gunshot and not run outside and try to see what's going on in the back of his own they house? Ask. They just didn't keep asking questions. They took it and were like, okay, explanation, move on. His, he was so charming that people just believed it. I think that was my like, holy crap moment in the beginning because it was just dumbfounding to me mm-hmm. that he could just be so you know and then he was just devastated and so he's like I don't want to call the cops I just lost our dog I just want to go home and mourn and blah 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 and they were like okay we're so sorry for your loss and then I I went back and got the medical records from the vet that shows all of it that yep. all of it is stated and nothing nothing no I I know people who collected information for years and did all the quote unquote, what, what the cops tell you to, and all the, take the pictures and years and years and years. I kept getting, why do you have so much evidence? Like you have way too much evidence. Why? And it's because it keeps happening and nobody's helping. That's why you must be creating it. Yeah. When I, when I recorded some, some stuff that he was doing, I audio recorded stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I was, I took it to a, a paralegal because I'm like, I don't know like what. And they specifically told me they go, all the cops are going to say is that you were in the middle of doing it. And that was just a kink. And I'm like, what? Like that didn't even cross my brain that some human being would say that what was happening on that audio recording was actually just someone's kink. I was like, what? And I mean, this is, this is before cell phones had cameras. So it wouldn't have like, everyone's like, oh, just record it. It's like, okay. Nowadays it might be easier. It wasn't so easy back then. I yeah, audio recording right. was the only thing I could do. Um, and yeah, just that, that, yeah. And, and I think that that's where, you know, a lot in, you know, it's great that we have a month, the whole month where there's focus on domestic violence. Um, but I think it's like, you know, any month where we're focusing on some terrible thing that happens to human beings, it's, oh, thoughts and prayers for the month. And then everyone moves right. on, but you have to, but the numbers keep rising. We've got to get them to come down. And if, if you're, you know, if you're listening to this and you're someone who's experiencing domestic violence, um, you're worth fighting for. You are, you are somebody, your, your story is worth being heard and you will be believed by the right people. And the best thing that you can do is create a viable plan and execute that plan and then figure the rest out later. Cause there's, you can't figure any of it out until you actually get away and stay away. That's right. That's right. If you're listening to this and you are not in an active abuse situation, um, but you suspect that somebody is in an active abuse situation. Do not bring it to public attention. Talk to the person that you think is being abused first. Definitely don't go to the abuser. And do never go to the abuser to get their side of the story. If you suspect that somebody you know is being abused, talk to the person that is being abused, male or female, talk to them ask them and it, and they probably aren't in a situation where they're able to feel safe about talking about it, but let them know that you are a safe space. That's the best you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, that no matter what be that human that looks at them and goes 2am, my phone's on for you. I mean it. You and the kids need a place. I don't care time of day. Like just let them know you're there. Um, you'd be surprised how, how much just knowing I had friends like that. I never took them up on it, but just knowing they were there if I needed it, gave me that little bit of courage to be like, I, it's time I can walk. I, 
I will have a support system if I have to fall back on something. Right. Um, and that's, you know, cause you can't confront them, the abuser, you can't, it's, no, you'll make it worse. You're just going to make it worse. Um, but you can let the, in, in every way, you know, what do you need? How can I help? Here's, here's where I'm at. You know, if, if you can get them, you know, any kind of assistance that you can get them away from the abuser is what the best that you can do. So yeah, there's that. Well, again, I'm so happy she's joining us now on Unstoppable and she's unstoppable. So you guys should go check her out. She has the best videos and she's so cute and sweet and we love her. And I just want to thank you again. And and you know what? You can take us out since this is now. I get to say something. Well, I mean, my customary, it's so funny on, on, on mine, I, I always, I have a customary ending. So it's like, I guess the customary ending feels kind of right here. Since I, Flo is sponsoring the show, I always say to the audience, thank you so much for joining us. Victoria and I are wishing you peace, love, and flow as you flow off to the rest of your day. And may your flow be ever rising and your smile be ever contagious. I love that. <laughs> Until next time, folks. Bye.